the uh, final segment of the week for Canucks Central, and it's uh, your favorite segment of Canucks Central. It's the Mailbag, Mailbag Friday, each and every week here on the show. Your questions for us, mostly on the Canucks, but also on anything you wish. We'll try to get to as many as we can. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. We need the music. Cannot do a yes. mailbag without the music. Ah, I love this music. I'm I'm kind of debating now. What's what's better, like the overrated, underrated music bed, or this one now? Because that they're, new they're, overrated, they're, underrated music bed is is pretty fire. Josh worked really hard at finding that. Like he was so proud yeah. when he found that bed. Uh, actually, when he was going off and doing weather reports while he was uh, doing the morning show, he was actually looking for the music bed for overrated, underrated. That's a little he bit of showed, inside info for uh, for everybody. He just he, he just showed where his true allegiances are. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get to some of the uh, questions here for the mailbag. Get your questions in early. That way, uh, we have a better chance to screen them and get to as many. As we possibly can. Uh, Sat will send out a question during the day on Friday that uh, you can respond to on Twitter. And we will compile the questions that way each and every week. At Sat T.R. Shaw and I am at Dan Richo underscore. All right. Basketball Phil with a non-basketball question. What are the chances Spencer Martin gets a start before the season is out, Sat? Uh... Ooh, I'd say 60%. So this is assuming Halak is essentially done for the year. And we don't know that yet, right? And so, so that's why I'm leaving it at about you know 40% that Halak... If Halak is going to be good, they'll give him a chance to play one more game. Yeah. Um, they do have the one back-to-back. Yeah. LA Kings... Thursday, Edmonton Oilers, Friday. Uh, that is a travel day as well. Uh, assuming they are eliminated from the playoffs uh, by that point, there's no reason to play Demko in both of those games. So, yeah, it, it really, to me, is all dependent on uh, Yaroslav Halak's health, which is uh, still unclear at this moment. Um, let's go to Josephine. When we look back at Alvin's we don't have a superstar comment as a turning point in Petey's superstar <laughs> trajectory, the same way Gillis's initial musings that perhaps the Sedins weren't the foundational players to build a team around was. I mean, so I think a lot of this was taken out of context. And I know the team has come out and, and said that a few times and others have reported the same thing. And I've asked and I've talked to people with the team. The, the intention of that comment wasn't that he, they don't believe these guys can be superstars. It was about, okay, we don't feel like we have to pay anybody superstar money this offseason. That's kind of at least, okay. And I, and I think it's convenient to, to look at the correlation between Patterson's uh, play and those comments. But his play had started to improve before those comments were made. Well before that. It's not yeah. like Pedersen just, just came alive all of a sudden because Alvin said they don't have superstars. So I think that correlation, people are assuming causality. And that's, that's how I sum that one up. Uh, it, it is funny, though, um, especially in contrast to the previous regime 
and uh, the declaration of Brandon Sutter, which people will never forget. Foundational player. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very foundational. (laughs) Uh, TB with this question. Can the results of the second half of the season give this team a good reason to be a potential playoff team next season? We've talked about that idea a lot today, Sat, and... Um, I encourage people to listen to our interview with Yannick Hansen from earlier today. You can find it on podcast if you missed it. But there is Yannick said you can run it back and give this core one more try and figure it out as you go when it comes to the unrestricted free agents. Maybe they see uh, a path to winning. And ultimately, that gets them to sign or encourages JT Miller and Bo Horvat to take team-friendly deals. That is the absolute best-case scenario outcome of the situation. And it's not always a great idea to go into something hoping for the best-case scenario outcome. I, I think there's a lot to like about this team. I just don't see a path that they are significantly better next year than they have been this season. What I chalk up this second half to, especially under Boudreaux, yes, pushing the right buttons, getting your star players to get back to levels we expect them to be at, but I still don't think they are the 105-point team that they've played like the which is the pace they've played at under Boudreaux I I don't see this team being that next year if it's mostly still intact yeah I mean they're a playoff team next year if they if they run it back and all things are equal and you have relatively decent health as a playoff team but you're a capped out playoff team that has a clear ceiling and that's why you're not running it all back next season at least I don't think they're running it all back next season it's a good question. A lot of good questions uh, coming uh, coming in. Uh, Discount Dracula. Who is the least unsung hero Canuck this year? Ooh. Oh, hey. Uh, oh, hey. <laughs> man. It's funny because Hamannick was one guy, and he got traded. Yeah. Um, Pullman, because of the injury, it's it's it kind of just awkward to talk about. Like you don't be talking about him being, you know, the guy's dealing with like you know head you know head issues and all that sort of stuff right now with concussions or at least concussion like symptoms. It's That's probably better. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm thinking of this question as like which player is taking the most heat. It's probably Besser. Probably, yeah, I'd say so. Like Besser, yeah, I mean, it, it was Pedersen at one point. Yeah. Besser's underperformed this year, but, I mean, at the end of the day, he's still going to be pretty much 50-point guy, over 20 yeah. goals. Doesn't look like a terrible season on paper. We just expected better. Yes. Um, that's, that's where my vote is going. Either Besser or Jason Dickinson. Ooh, Dickinson's the guy. Yeah, I forgot about him. That's That would be my vote. As season has been forgettable. Yes. Uh, Gav, 
was the damaging long-term cost to the Canucks of almost making the playoffs and playing meaningful games in April worth it? Damaging? But what's so damaging? The draft lottery positions? Not trading JT Miller? Again, that came back to valuation. And they want to try to keep JT Miller if they can. That's the goal. I mean, if they can sign him to a team-friendly deal, they'll do that. They didn't get an offer that made them not want to take that chance and try to sign him this offseason. We'll see what happens with him. If they don't get, if they can't sign him, they'll trade him. That's kind of you know how I see it. I don't see this being a situation where this team decided not to make trades because they wanted to make the playoffs. So, other than that, like, what is there really that the team could have done that they didn't because they were still in the playoff race? Um, uh, yeah, I keeping mean, the third round pick for Hamannick, like instead of trading it for Dermot, yeah, you know. But that wasn't again. That was a that wasn't a this season thing. That was a more long term thing that they were doing, taking we're a chance on a young ish player that they think has some upside. Yeah, um, and at the very least, is a third pairing defenseman for you next year, and is a player that can excel in that role. Um, yeah, I'd say it's really just the draft lottery. Like, what else could it be? And to me, I think getting Pedersen to play at a star level again is more impactful than uh, a few spots on the draft board. Things were so bad. People's fate. In, in the in the potential of guys like Pedersen, where it was absolutely shaken, they they looked at this team and said, "Is all we have Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, and JT Miller?" That was kind of what people looked at. Even JT, they're like, "Trade this. He's old too." I mean, it was like we have Demko and Quinn Hughes. That's all we got. I mean, that was the level of despondency that was happening. So to get Pedersen back, and that's what Yannick mentioned, to see him get back to his level, that was just. Be like, okay, at least we know we got this guy who could be a frontline player for us again. He's still here. That's important. But this team is not bad enough to be a you know low eighty point team, and that's why this the beginning part of this year was so jarring. They were always going to be you know a ninety some point team. Maybe if things were really bad, eighty eight points or eighty six points or eighty five points, but never like a sub eighty point team. So what did they lose out on in that sense? I mean, they weren't bad enough to be a bad team. <laughs> yep. Um, this year in the draft lottery, you can only move up 10 spots as well. So yeah, there won't be a miracle uh, first overall pick for the Vancouver Canucks coming either. But uh, maybe a, uh, maybe they move up 10 spots. That could happen. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I mean, who wouldn't want to take that? Of course. Yes. I, you know, that, it would be amazing though. The Canucks bring in Jim Rutherford and all of a sudden they start getting some luck with the, uh, with the lottery. Uh, Taj with this question. How relieved is McDavid that he won't have to face Pedersen in the playoffs? He was the happiest man on planet Earth last night, Connor <laughs> McDavid. Now he knows he doesn't have to face Elias Pedersen, the Swedish Gretzky. Yeah. Uh, he was shaking and shivering. I'll say this. He's not going to enjoy playing Philippe Dano in the playoffs. <laughs> but... Hey, there's still a chance that the uh, Canucks could line up against the Edmonton Oilers in a first-round matchup, albeit very slim. Uh, J- Let's get to some more questions. J-Bo, Vancouver. <laughs> the majority, myself included, want Boudreaux back, but are we factoring in his age as much as we should be 
And is it something this regime should be taking into major consideration prior to offering him an extension? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I believe, and I've been saying this for a while, and we talked to Earth about this too, that the Canucks have a number in mind. And they don't want to be signing him to a contract, it's especially if there's term on it, like, you know, six years and beyond, at a number at $8 million or higher. So that tells me that they are concerned about what it's going to look like down the road. And you may even look at that and say that's a lot of money, $7 million for you know six years or even seven or whatever it is. And yeah, that's a lot of money. But if you feel comfortable about where the cap's going to go in a few years and you know some money coming off the books and even if you pay Pedersen, like, there's a way to make that work. There's a, you can plan around that. You know, It gets really difficult to manage around a contract above $8 million. And if they weren't worried about age, I, I think they'd be willing to sign to a contract like that. And ultimately, we'll see what happens. And maybe they just go out and do, and I'll be sitting here and I'll look shocked and and everything. But I just don't foresee that being the case. That they're his age is why they're baking in a hard number that they probably don't want to go beyond. That's uh, that's interesting. And you wonder. I don't think it's a huge factor. Like I do ultimately think they, they find a way to keep this group together, but um, how much has Boudreaux impressed other teams and do they want to talk to him uh, when, if, and if there is a chance of that, or does Boudreaux just absolutely want to be the Vancouver Canucks head coach after what's happened this year? Uh, Leo Reyes, are the Canucks a playoff team next year if they do nothing of significance except re-up Brock and Bruce? So just Brock and Bruce. Uh, some of these questions are tying in together a little bit. So we do think one player of significance gets moved. Um, I think that's a salary cap issue that they have to deal with. I wonder who that ends up being and how they end up trying to replace that. Because as you've said, Sat, no matter what they do, they probably want to have an idea of what the replacement could be or will be if they move on a player who is playing in a significant role right now. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately... You also, even if it's just a placeholder, and this is what teams always look at, it's it's the thought of if I have to ice a team tomorrow, who's playing in this spot? That's always a consideration for teams. And even if it's somebody who's a placeholder, it doesn't always have to be somebody that that's necessarily going to be good, but somebody that you can be like, okay, I can throw this guy out there and and we'll see what happens type of deal. So there's. There's to me, there's going to be so many dominoes in place as well. That as much as yes, you know, they're looking to shed salary. But if you're talking about meaningful players, there's going to have to be an idea of a corresponding move or a corresponding placeholder they feel pretty good about before making those types of decisions. Uh, let's uh, keep getting some more questions in. Do, 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 do. Logan Horn. What does Travis Dermott's success as a puck-moving left-handed D mean for Jack Rathbone? I don't know if it means too much for Jack Rathbone because I think Dermott has played the right side pretty well. Uh, We've seen him 
take some shifts away from Luke Shen at times over these last couple of games and play next to Quinn Hughes. I don't think that's a long-term solution, really, but we've seen it happen a little bit here over the last couple of games. I um, I still think, ultimately, if Jack Rathbone's progression continues, we eventually see him with the Vancouver Canucks in a third-pair role. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I see him playing on the third pair, but I'm not sure that's going to be happening for him right away next season. It's going to be a team that... Like, there's not going to be too many uh, Hoaglander situations. No. Anymore with the Vancouver Canucks, at least not under this regime. Uh, so bear that in mind going into next training camp. Uh, Clay, should the Canucks be the rare team to use an offer sheet this summer and go after a top four D like these are the examples, Timothy Lilligren, Noah Dobson, Oliver Shillington, or Nick Haig? Mm. So this is a super interesting question. And on Timothy Lilligren, that's the guy I look like look at if I'm going to make an offer sheet. Because the Leafs are up against it, massively up against it. Yep. But you're not talking about paying Timothy Lilligren a massive amount of money because he's a guy who hasn't established himself yet. And if you're making an offer sheet for next year, and this is kind of what the numbers were for offer sheets um, this past offseason for the cap for where it was. If you pay a guy between 1.3 to 2.1, a third round pick. If you're paying about 2.1 to 4, it's a second round pick. A guy like Lilligren, you can maybe get him for a third if you pay him about 2 million or so. Because Toronto may not be able to sign him to that contract. Yeah. That type of offer sheet, I would be okay with doing. I'm not sure I'm willing to be you know, signing guys to 4 million and then giving up a second round pick or something. But something along those lines, that would be creative. The hard part is you usually have to overpay by a considerable amount to end up getting the player on the offer sheet. Because yeah, two million it like yes, the Leafs are so up against it that every literally every dollar counts. And by uh cap friendly, they only have uh, just under nine million of cap space going into the summer. Um so yeah, fifteen players under contract. Yeah, they, they've got some some definite dancing with the devil that they are going to have to do. But I have a hard time thinking that the Leafs would let Lilligren go easily. Like he's just played so well this year. It's really been kind of a breakout year for him in a defensive right shot D man type of role. Uh, he's played well with Morgan Riley, by all accounts. He's played really well with Mark Giordano. Like, I, I just don't think uh, a two million would get it done. I think they would have to go a little bit more. If anybody were to do this to the Maple Leafs, they would have to go a little bit over that. Noah Dobson's had an incredible breakout year. I uh, and I know they have an interesting cap situation with the way that they've dealt with things on the island but 
I mean, that's just a player they can't afford to let go. You're not losing him. No. You're not losing you, you, they're not losing Noah Dobson. Noah Dobson is just too good. Nick Haig, that's another one. I think that's interesting. But I just I, I see you know them probably matching whatever mm-hmm. it would be for him, and that's why I'm not so sure on that necessarily happening. But to me, it's it's a literally grim one. And maybe you're right, but that's the one worth exploring and you know see what Toronto does. And for them, maybe they just get ahead of him and trade him trade him for a second round pick because they, they know this might be inevitable. Um, that would uh, probably be where the valuation ends up. Uh, a couple of uh, non, non-Canucks questions uh, to close it out. Uh, what is the best bar food? Mm, fish tacos? Okay, that's good. I'm a sucker for fish tacos. Fish tacos are terrific. Tacos in general, but fish tacos, yes. Truffle fries, overrated. Ooh, I mean, I, no, I don't think they're overrated. I wouldn't say they're my favorite bar. They're delicious truffle fries. Yeah. I mean, a perfectly fried fries, truffle fries. I mean, it's just <laughs> delicious. Now I want truffle fries. Sat's a big truffle fry guy. Oh, man, it's making my mouth water. Sliders are pretty good. I do like sliders. Chicken wings. You can never go wrong with wings. Oh, man. Never go wrong with wings. Yeah. What about solid and same with nachos? I mean, yeah. Yeah, right? You can't go wrong with nachos. Yeah. Nachos with guac and get all the fixings. Nah, nachos overrated. Not a nachos guy. You're Italian is showing. Such a hater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about calamari? Oh, calamari is amazing. Give me, uh, give me all the calamari. See previous comment. Yes. <laughs> I, I will definitely, like, I will crush a whole thing of calamari to myself. Um, no, no problems. No problems. Uh, that's... You know what? That just got my vote. Sat, thank you for bringing that up. Calamari? Yep. Yeah. Ah, man. What, what do I go with? I'll just go with chicken wings. Chicken <laughs> wings and some drinks at the bar. is it's Can't go wrong. Uh, discount Dracula with uh, this question for Mailbag Friday. What sports do you like to play even though you kind of suck at them? Golf. I mean, there's that. Yes. Everybody, like, isn't that golf, golf. for ev- like, every person's answer is golf? <laughs> golf? The game of life. Yes. <laughs> um, unsigned. Final question. Which would look stranger, Bick with long hair or Reach clean shaven? <laughs> uh, Bick with long hair, for sure. We've seen Reach somewhat clean shaven. Really? Haven't we? Haven't we? I th- I oh, yeah. Movember a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, I thought so. It's weird, man. Even I think it's weird. I'm like, oof, who is this yeah. person? <laughs> it's like you don't even like looking yourself in the mirror. Uh, the, the reason it never happens, my wife absolutely hates it. It's oh, not allowed. Yeah. No? She's like, you look <laughs> like a different what, person. That's not who I married. I'm, I feel like I'm dating a 13-year-old. I'm married to a 13-year-old. You're a child. Grow the beard back, please. Uh, Bick with long hair would be alarming, though. That would be strange. Uh, that is another edition with that hairline, yes. especially with that hairline. Oh man, uh, that is another edition of uh, Mailbag Friday. Always get your questions in. Appreciate you listening. Uh, you make it uh, one of our most downloaded podcasts each and every week. Uh, subscribe to the podcast page that way you never miss a Mailbag Friday, an overrated, underrated Wednesday, or any of our exclusive interviews. Please leave a review as well. It goes a long way to growing the show, and we do appreciate it. 
Uh, for producers Eddie Gregory and Josh Elliott Wolf, my co-host Satyar Shah, I'm Dan Richo. It's the Giants up against the Everett Silvertips. Their opening round series, Game One of the WHL playoffs, is next. Pre-game is coming on Sportsnet 650.